Hey, Queeros, today's episode is brought to you by Improv for Humans. If you love improv comedy, you should be listening to Improv for Humans, hosted by Matt Besser. You know him from one of the founders of the UCB Theater and the world-famous improv show ASCAT. I mean, straight up, I have a podcast that was recorded at the UCB Theater called Put Your Hands Together, also on Your Wolf, that I would really recommend. And thanks from, to Matt, I can do it there. Plus, on Improv for Humans, they've got great guests like Lauren Lapkus, you know her, you love her, John Gabris, you know him, you love him, Mary Holland, Jessica McKenna, much more, Andy Daly, Jason Manzukas. gosh, I don't even want to name more improvisers. I just don't want to. Listen to all the new episodes of Improv for Humans Thursdays on your favorite podcast app. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. I just wanted to let you know that we are bringing Query to the London Podcast Festival on September 13th, and then I, Cameron Esposito, will be doing stand-up in Chicago on September 28th, and then Ann Arbor, Michigan on the 29th, then I'll be in Louisville, Kentucky, Bloomington, Illinois, Cleveland for two shows, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, New Cumberland, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Boston, San Francisco, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., and Denver, and more dates are being added. You can get tickets to all of that at my website, CameronEsposito.com slash tour. I am really excited about those fall tour dates. Today on the show, my guest is Brian Jordan Alvarez, who is an actor and a creator and has a wonderful show that you can just watch for free on YouTube called The Gay and Wondrous Life of Caleb Gallo. So check that out. I really recommend it. I loved it. And please enjoy today's episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. Oh, yeah. By the way, would you take a little sip of coconut? Cro- yeah, LaCroix coconut right LaCroix. Eh, mwah. Okay, great. Yeah, Perfect. this is an AMS- ASMR and video. Get a little snappy with the lips. Uh, and yeah. then... Um, yeah, introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Brian Jordan Alvarez. I'm an actor and I'm also a creator. Um, I'm currently on Will and Grace quite a bit, and I made a show that people really like called The Gay and Wondrous Life of Caleb Gallo, uh, which is not as good as the shows that uh, Cameron made, but you know, it's a, it's a good show. <laughs> Actually, I have to say, so like we met um, in Montreal, in Montreal year, right? yeah, at yeah. JFL uh-huh. at Just for Laughs, which is this big comedy festival, and um, yeah, just it, because of like how much stuff there is to watch, I hadn't seen yeah Caleb Gallo before sure. meeting you, found you charming, mm. went home and watched it, and I, I like kind of can't believe you were able to, to pull that off. Oh. I, I have to say to your face because it's important to tell yeah. people how you feel about them. Yeah, uh, that that was unbelievably impressive. That means so much to me. Yeah, I, I think I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I wonder if you've had experiences like this because you've had a lot of gigantic achievements where sometimes you look back and you're like, what part of me did this thing? Because it's greater than – because that show, when I look at it, is greater than the sum of its parts. And now I kind of stand in gratitude of 
of whatever it was. Cause I'm like, cause it, it was, it definitely wasn't just me making it. I mean, everybody involved, especially the cast members were like, they were just kind of like giving 500% and like workshopping scenes. And we just all wanted to make this thing. And now I watch it and I'm like, Whoa, who made this? Oh, I should also just say for listeners, it's, it's just on YouTube. It's on YouTube. And yeah. it's, and it's for freezies. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying that because I really think people should watch it. Yeah. One you. thing that I, um, found to be true about your show was that it it just was like very small and I don't mean mm-hmm. um I like that yeah. I don't mean like <laughs> it just scope wise yeah it was really yeah personal yeah. and it was about um just about relationships just like a couple just people friends. talking yeah and it yeah, makes yeah. um perfect sense and you're invited in and it doesn't have it's not like super plot heavy although things do right. happen and right. I felt like for me, I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, like, this is – I mean, I hope that what happened after you made that is that you just, like, walked into meetings with people just like, well, that's what I want to make. What I've yeah. already made is what I want to make because I think yeah. for queer folks so often we've um, – you know, first we were, like, relegated to side characters. And then when yeah. we got to tell our stories, uh-huh. everything had to be so fucking huge all the time. Right. Because it's like, well, in order to capture an audience, it has to be like our moment of tragedy or it has to be – there's so many things. Yeah, yeah you're like coming out story, this transition burden story, that's sure. put on us to yeah. have like – it's like the ultimate gay story where yeah. like they survive – uh, they're shot exactly. right at the beginning. you know, exactly. And then – but that that's not what you were doing. So – I guess I'm curious. Yeah, it was as mundane to, in a way. It was like it, it was like just it is mundane, about, but it's really funny. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's like just about. It's it. Yeah. What's good about it is it's like it's like most everyone in it is gay, and that's a given, and we're all completely over that. So we're worried about other things like who likes us or or like. Basically, I mean, basically, yeah, just who likes us. Yeah, <laughs> like well, what I mean, relationships. We're that's in, yeah. the stuff that I've been interested in in you know this podcast and the stuff that I make too is yeah. talking about that next stuff but I don't see um those stories it's like they haven't quite yet scaled up to um like yeah, a, to big, like a major right, production right, right, yet but right. but the good news is like you're here mm-hmm. and you're continuing to work here so that yeah. will happen like yeah. you'll continue to yeah make stuff yeah, that's so nice to hear. I mean, yeah. what is it like going from making your own YouTube thing to then being on Will and Grace? It was amazing. I mean, it's been, it's been amazing, and and they had watched they had watched Caleb Gallo, the the Will and Grace creators, who are so. I mean, they're so smart and and just like I mean, they're masters at that at at, at making comedy. And it was so cool in the audition process to be able to tell them to their faces. I was like, they were like, we watched your show and, and we think it's great. And I was like, oh, yeah, but that show can only exist because your show existed years ago and exists now. You know, it's like it's cool to, like, talk to the giants on whose shoulders you you uh, are kind of standing. Although they're they're again at the, the top of their game more than ever now. Oh man, that's cool. I'm yeah. happy for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I'm happy for you that you got that experience. It is important to be able to like thank people and, and look at their faces. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. And they also I mean it's interesting what you were saying about YouTube because and I, I really respect you for your you you've been able to work inside the system uh more effectively than I have been able to thus far because you were talking about, you know, after Caleb Gallo, because I, I walked into to we we got it acquired by a really great place by Lionsgate and they and they were they were great 
And I just didn't, I just didn't understand the system well enough. I think at that time to make that work. And, and you just, ha you just had a real show with real budgets and like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I look forward to that and I really, I really respect your ability to do that. Cause you did, you really did queer work that was really getting out there in a gigantic way. Oh, that's you know? nice. Well, I mean, I think we're catching up to ourselves. Like, I mean, what I mean by that is, um, generationally. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, you and I are having a conversation and we both work, we both live in Los Angeles yeah, and we yeah. work here, but I think for anybody listening and people outside the industry and people that do other jobs, we're just in this moment right now. We're generally generationally on so many issues. Mm -hmm. There's like what it used to be like, which is like straight white cisgender people yes. always centered. Yeah. And then what I think it will be like, and you and I are maybe part of a bridging generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, even though I think you're a little younger than me, like we're still sort of, similar we're age. still sort of in this like bridging generation. Yeah. Yeah. And the young, the folks that like what I see from like young folks, like is, Troy Savon, who's yeah. just like <laughs> sure, yeah, a gay yeah. pop star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I just think, I think that, um, he's great. Diversity way. used to mean like, it was a dirty word that meant um, like handouts or whatever mm -hmm. to some folks. Like that's right, never what it was, right, but right. it's like what we're talking about. Sure. Versus I think for younger folks, um, it's all about like, no, these are like the people I know. These are my friends. Right. I want it's to. It's what best represents them. I want to spend my money in a way that's like socially conscious. Like yeah. I just think there's this whole other thing happening. It's the, what's best represents them. That's such mm -hmm. a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such They're a good like, way of saying it. That's just more like what my life is like. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is more what my life is like. Mm -hmm. So I think – like we can talk about how it's happening right now in Hollywood, but it's happening everywhere mm -hmm. where like you and I are like not yet in charge. Mm -hmm. Like like the old, people older than us are in charge. Yeah. And they lived a totally different life. Mm -hmm. When we're in charge, we'll we'll shift things a little bit and then people younger than us will be like, Why are you even mentioning any of this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like right, why right. isn't everybody in this oh, like the most diverse and interesting right. you know, like, yeah, version yeah. of themselves? And I don't yeah. even I don't even mean like that they're taking off boxes. I mean that like I don't know that there is a normative perspective anymore. Like yeah. every person is sort of we're moving towards um a much bigger understanding of identity and it feels really exciting. Yeah, yeah. And it's fun. It's fun when it can become, or, or at least for me as a gay person, it's fun when it can, a little bit like what Caleb did, become casual or just like an implicit part of the. What What I'm excited about is making like gigantic movies where, uh, similarly to what you're talking about, uh, gigantic movies where the lead is gay, and and that's not even a. Uh, an integral part of the plot. It's only integral in so far as her or his love interest is of the same sex, you know, or, or the lead is trans or the lead yeah. is, yeah. or the way in which we're like treated in culture. Yeah. Like that's reflected, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, or the, the specifics in our lives, like right. that it actually is kind of inherently different to yeah, have a relationship that exists outside of the societal uh, norms, societal norms and like patriarchal, uh, roles, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's also like, there's a lot, but there's a lot to explore. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, friend. I don't even know this about you. Where are you from? I'm from a very like rural Tennessee. I was, I was born in New York city. And then, uh, and then when I was like four, we moved to the sticks of Tennessee. So it's funny if you look me up, it's like, it makes the internet makes me look like I'm like a New Yorker. <laughs> They're like born Manhattan, uh, New York, but I moved away from there when I was like a, a, 
almost four, to like super, to like the country, this small town in Tennessee called Winchester. And uh, and it was cool. I mean, I, I really liked growing up in nature and I, and I, and I just, I, I learned to love those people and I learned to get love, you know, uh, even, you know, it's like I learned to, to fend for myself in a way, like in a, in a red state. What? You know? But, but I, there was a lot of kindness toward me growing up. Okay. I want to unpack so much of this. First, <laughs> I want to start with this question. What, pre- what precipitated the move? My dad, uh, he, he was tired of living in New York city and he, he had hated New York for a long time. He's he, like, his hatred of New York is, is really powerful. Is that where he's from? Is that where like your family's from? No, the, he's from all over. And then he, he got these pretty big jobs running, Tramways, specifically the. Do you know New York City at all? Yeah. Do you know the Roosevelt Island Tramway? <laughs> sure. Yes. Yeah. My dad ran that, is that so for ten years. <laughs> specific. Specific. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So that was his job for a long time, and then eventually, uh, in one way or another, he was kind of pushed out of that job, or or he didn't. The contract didn't get renewed, or something. But he was happy because he had always been looking for an excuse to get out of New York. So then he was like, "Okay, we're moving to the middle of nowhere on a lake next to some mountains in Tennessee," and it and it was so beautiful. I mean, I still I go home and I and we go out on the lake, and it's like, did you grow up city or country? Well, Burps. the suburbs. Yeah, you know, you knew by the pause that it was going to be. What is that? Is that the city or country? Yeah, Unclear. Yeah. Unclear. Um, the burbs of what? Chicago. Oh, cool. Yeah, just okay. right outside the city. So you can take like a commuter rail in, but it felt, I mean, decidedly suburban, but yeah, also yeah. not like uh, that thing where all the houses look the same and it's like cul-de-sacs. Right. It was like an actual town. Nice. With, like, a downtown area that had, like, a butcher and a baker nice. and a milkman and shit. Oh, wow. I mean, really an unusual place to grow up. <laughs> Truly an unusual place to grow up. But y- I'm also imagining, for what you're talking about, like, does your family own, like, land? We, no. Like, did we they move on to, like, land? Because, like, coming from New bit. York yeah, yeah. to, like, land, that's such a fun- – you can't own land in – New York. Right. There's not yeah, land yeah. to own. Yeah, there's not yeah, there's none available. Yeah. Uh we do we own like I maybe half an acre or something. Yeah, there's there's like a big plot of land next to our house that my uh that my parents have never sold. So we own a little bit of land. That's so we wild. We own a dock, part of the lake. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Jesus. Do do you think they felt like that that was like the promised land? I just mean I'm Yeah, a, I know? mean, sadly, they didn't know that me and my sister were both going to turn out queer, so. Is it just you two? <laughs> yeah, it's just me and her, yeah. And she, um, she's in an, a long-term relationship with a really wonderful man now. And before then, I think she had three girlfriends, long-term girlfriends. Um, and my, my sister was always great because I, I, I was just never that outspoken growing up. Um and my sister really fought for like our queer rights um, growing up in a way that I'm very grateful. But she's she's five years older than me, um, and she's just she's just always been real like on the front lines of like of like being like you. Everybody needs to get over the fact that we are gay because <laughs> when, we are gay. When you say growing up, what what ages are you talking about? Just like childhood. I mean, uh, yeah. Like in childhood. Yeah. Well, no, more more after puberty, definitely. I mean, there was a point at which maybe ninth grade, maybe high school, 
Um, or even, no, even in late middle school, it was becoming clear to me that I was gay. And I think she and I talked about it to some extent because she was already pretty early on. She was, cause she was five years older than me. So she was off to NYU, which is the most liberal place in the world. And she got a girlfriend, you know, right away. And they were, so, they're both so beautiful and cool. And I would like go visit and they literally would like play Tegan and Sarah songs for me that I would never have heard in the sticks of Tennessee. I remember getting obsessed with that song. The first, you know, the song, the first by Tegan and Sarah. It's God. It's, it's early Tegan it, and Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't tell. They're still putting, my friend Tegan. I know. I just saw Sarah. your. I just saw that. Please don't tell. Talk to them. The Quins. <laughs> yeah. I will text them that I don't know this song. Yeah. Um, um. But yeah. But I still. Yeah. I still listen to that song very fondly because it was my. It was my window into. Uh, into gay life. But your, yeah, my sister your, was off at NYU. The first was your was your first? Was it, your, it was my fir- it was my first queer song, yeah, that I I God, didn't I don't even know if I knew that that's uh what it was. So you you were going up and visiting them like solo. Like your your folks were hanging out in uh in, in Tennessee, uh, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flying up and hanging out that kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, I think maybe two times, yeah. But uh, I mean, imagine oh being God. 15 and getting to visit your older sister in New York. And, and she's, she's out. Like, she's and dying her teams. hair. She's yeah. I actually can't imagine this scenario. <laughs> it I mean, was my, so cool. My yeah. older sister, we're very close, but yeah. um, she is so sorry to to slam you like this. What a dig! The straightest person I know. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> so like, I went to see her at college, but um, you know, it was yeah. not what you're talking about. She went to school in Ohio. And oh yeah, was pretty dang straight. Compare, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was. Also, like a like a smaller town, so it wasn't that thing of like going to the big city and yeah finding um finding a home. Yeah, I love that bit you have about um what is it you're like? Are there any straight people in the audience? It's okay, you can be vulnerable. My parents are straight. Yeah. Is oh that, man, is that one of your classics? It's a cl- it's, it's an, an old amazing bit. bit. Yeah. Wait, and then how does it continue? It's like uh, oh the, my the, god, the, I don't even know. There's something it, it one ups to an even better. I throw all my jokes in the trash out of my brain once I'm done really? telling them on television and stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, stand-up is so... Yeah, like, it's not a skill set I have. I'm fascinated to know anything that you can... I think that it's... One thing that's true about it is like... Well, there are stories that I tell now that I mm-hmm, used to tell, mm-hmm. usually a little bit differently because mm-hmm. like over time you evolve. Yeah, yeah. Some comics keep... They'll keep jokes like the same for shit 10 forever. Years. Yeah. But for me, that just like doesn't work and... It doesn't mean I like it means I'm I do something until it is captured like mm-hmm. until it's like on TV or in an album mm-hmm. and then it's like kind of flushed fully down the toilet. That makes sense. Which is only weird because like right now I just put out a new hour mm-hmm. and so I have like no material but I've still had some dates. So I have to get on stage and try to figure out like wait what what have I like ever talked about in the past? Wow. And what stories do I have? Because you don't want to use any of the new hour. What's the new hour on? Can I watch it already? Uh, it you can already? watch it and you maybe you'll understand why. <laughs> why I'm like Yeah, it's about sexual assaults, about my experience with oh, sexual yeah, assault. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a little bit about yeah, this. Yeah, so um it was great and I'm really glad that yeah, I did it. But also great. like bye bye yeah, that yeah. experience. I don't actually sure. want to talk about that anymore. Sure. You be you'd be shocked to hear this, but uh I did create a situation where I had to just say the word rape for yeah. like eight hours a day for a yeah. month because I was like doing press. Wow. And yeah. after that month you um you don't really you just kinda speak. you just kinda don't want to say that anymore. For like a yeah, little bit. You know I hear you. for yeah. a few months. Uh, I have no idea what it's like for you. Cause you for for Caleb Gallo anyway, mm-hmm. you like 
wrote it. Sure. Starred in it. Yeah. And directed it. And directed it. Yeah. Edited and it. Edited it. Which I actually think secretly is the most important part. Yeah. And yeah. I hear yeah, that. Yeah. Editing yeah. is real. So when you look at that, um, let me ask you a question. Sure. Do you see that it's like good and shiny or do you look at it and see your flaws? Like I just imagine when, yeah. when your fingerprints are all over something like that, when you're watching yourself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you were the one who decided where the camera was mm-hmm. and you wrote the thing and you edited it. Mm-hmm. Like what does it feel like to watch something like that now? You know, I have never been asked that about Caleb and it's interesting to think about it because I do kind of find Caleb Gallo to be perfect because I... Oh my I, God, yeah. <laughs> wow, I'm so happy. Yeah, and I've made stuff since that that is not as perfect and I also... In a way, I've had to just learn my way around less perfect workflows because that workflow, uh, we would shoot it and then and then I would take as long as I wanted to edit it. So I would just work on every scene until I was like, okay. And first of all, I would watch all the footage and then I would go, okay, what's exactly the best take of every line? And then I would, I would put those together and try to make every scene as perfect as possible. And then, and, um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 there, there. I, I always know when I watch it. I'm, I'm thinking about kind of the same thoughts I was having when I was editing it. But I, and there are definitely weaker episodes. And I know, uh, I, I still think episode four, uh, which is like this one where it starts with this story by the amazing Freckle, and then just has all of this beautiful drama. And my sister comes in, my my adopted sister on the show, and it's just, it's still definitely like the strongest uh, episode. But but yeah, I mean, I, I I really do I do go wow yeah I'm 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 happy with this which which is a high bar because then you if you don't feel like that about something and you need to get it out anyway you're like well I felt I felt amazing about Caleb and then that went amazingly well so I should feel that good about every single thing I do you know well it's also interesting how we started this conversation and then mm. learning <laughs> like how much attention you were paying yeah. Um, also, when we talk about like what is it, what what would be needed to make something that's like truly queer, yeah, in a transcendent way, like not in a Broadway, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. a way that feels ah Broadway, um, not in yeah, not, not in a Broadway. not in a Broadway, um, but no, in a, not not so that it catches the most um, different types of people, but so that it tells the most specific story, yeah. Like, that might be the amount of control that you yeah. have to have. You have to, yeah. you have to be the person positioning the camera and you yeah. also have to be the person writing the script. Cause I think another thing, and again, so like I love talking about shop, but I think it's important to zoom out and mm-hmm. to think about how what we're talking about impacts every, everybody that does every type of job. You know, the number of queer folks that get to like, control company culture mm-hmm. where they work. Mm-hmm. It's like what I mean it has to be percentage wise closer to zero than any other yes. number. Yes. So you know you're when we're talking about like well how do you make queer folks feel truly welcome? I mean the answer would be like we get to be in charge for 200 years or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, like we could we could figure it out, but we need to take our time. Yeah. And we so need to be completely in charge. We need to be completely in charge. Yeah. We need to watch every take yeah. of this yeah. meeting in this boardroom. Right. You know, and end I think to end control, yeah. Yeah. So I think and you're even saying that it it's hard to like relinquish some of that control and feel good about the product. Exactly. So like what do we say to people who don't do this job then? You know, or like, mm. how could you, how can you, how do you give yourself permission to not be perfect? Like, mm. what are the sort of lessons I think that could be extrapolated out of what you're talking about? Because I think it's, I think it has so many 
effects mm. on mm-hmm. how people should live their lives. Mm. Wh- wh- which part? Uh, well, I just, I mean, like, you're like, yeah, this, sh- this show does capture queer culture. Yeah. I am proud of it. It yeah. is perfect. Yeah. But you still had to, like, continue to live after that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you, you have to be on Will and Grace, which is a privilege. Yeah, but also, yeah, I'm assuming yeah. that not every line That's that how you, you come say down there, off of it. Yeah. You, yeah. Do, you do Will and Grace. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm assuming also not every line that you say for that show is something you would write. Just because, like, mm. that's not how shows work. Sure, If you're sure. an actor, you yeah. don't necessarily they're, they're have that They're pretty incredible, though. It, it's interesting that you, you note that, that that's kind of the next move. Because in Will and Grace— it, it feels similar to Caleb in that I'm like, cause because there's not the on a multicam, in a way, no matter what, you don't have that many lines because you rehearse it all week. So there is that same feeling of because I'm only acting on that show, right? And that role was written by them before I came along and was, you know, very um kindly cast in it. But but there is a level of perfection to the work that I'm able to do there because because it's just one episode a week and I can really mem- memorize those lines perfectly. And and I'm getting to do this amazing um, accent that's based on my mom who's Colombian um, and her father was Spanish. And I'm getting to do this Spanish accent on the show. But uh, It's like the Emil. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 similar to a, a little bit of Emil is mapped onto it. Yeah, they, they wrote the role though with the, with the accent and with the lisp and everything. Because um, Max and David are just which is like geniuses. a character that you do. I don't know anything about you. I uh, haven't watched all your shit. I didn't come home from JFL and watch all your shit. <laughs> um, but anyway, Emil, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite old old uh, sketches on YouTube.com slash Brian Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So you're still a perfectionist. Nothing so, has changed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I would say. It's interesting. I'm I'm only realizing it as you're asking, and this is it's it's such nice. These are such nice questions to be asked, but um, but yeah, it's almost like life is full of imperfections. But if you can do your work every day and be present, you have a little bit of energy every day that that could be kind of perfect or is your best self, right? So if you can bring that to every day, and and whatever work matters the most to you. So as soon as I got Will and Grace. I, I, I made a pact with myself that any time I was on that show, it was going to be my number one priority because I think that show, it's literally one of the few shows that is a smash hit that has made the world a better place. I mean, how many shows can you say that for? And so I was just like, if I, if I get this, I'm just going to give everything I can to it to raise this already amazing show even higher. And, uh, and so that, that's where I put that little bit of kind of almost perfect energy that you have in your, in your spirit every day. And then everything else is a gigantic mess. <laughs> wow. How, no. how is this how you are in the world? This is, <laughs> this sounds like you, um, you have a lot of, um, I've been listening to a lot of things Oprah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Oprah will help with that. I really have. I've been listening to so much Oprah, uh, super soul. She talks about, I think she talks with Wayne Dyer about the the something that there's a little spark of perfection or, or of God in all of us. And then if you can grow that, then then that's the best you can do for yourself. When did you get to Los Angeles? I got here when I was 18 and now I'm 31. So what is that? 13 years ago? When did you get here? That's a fucking minute. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just six. Yeah, so half the time. Six years ago? Yeah. Um, but you I don't New mean York that. before then? At all? I was in Chicago. Chicago I just was only. in Chicago. Okay. And then, well, I started in Boston, went home back, back home to Chicago, worked there and then came out here. I think And so, when did you become a megastar? In LA or in Chicago? 
Oh, I mean, um, when did I become a megastar? Uh, the future. Um, but no. Uh, I also saw you in Mother's Day. Yeah, I was in that movie. Before I even knew who you were. <laughs> I was yeah. in that movie. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. It was yeah. really cool to be in that movie with the haircut I also had at the time, which was like the gayest fucking haircut. I know, just it was Just next great. to Kate Hudson, just like, here's Kate Hudson, here's the fucking <laughs> yeah. gayest haircut yeah, yeah, yeah. you have ever seen in your yes. life. Yes, I was like, here's um, my representation in the I know, I got to movie. work with Gary on that. Incredible. And it was the last And then he passed away very soon actually. Also, can I just say that man, Gary Marshall, the legend, yeah, um, asked me to set up a stand-up show so he could come see me do stand-up. Oh, amazing! So I like set up a stand-up show in a like a, in like a hip, like hipster room, like a basement wow. of like a funky hotel. And you tell everybody who's coming, we're doing this for Gary Marshall. No, I just nobody, put, nobody I just knew. Put the tickets on sale. <laughs> okay, great. Um, and. <laughs> Sa- saved um, 25 of them yeah, yeah. for crew and cast. Yeah. and That's amazing. Gary came and sat in the front row with his wow. wife and his family. And How old was he? Was he fully functioning or was he, was he having yes. any health problems? No, he was, I mean, he was incredible. He was his, he was really Genius. amazing. Yeah. His um, buddies, he has these two buddies from Northwestern. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was like super proud that he went to Northwestern mm-hmm. and he would wear like a Northwestern hat and jacket mm-hmm. every day. Like, wow, like very many had, years later. He had graduated from Northwestern like <laughs> 50 to 60 years prior. But he had these buddies, these college buddies. Uh-huh. Like when I was making this movie, yeah. that would come and just hang out with him on set. Like wow. in between takes, he would go hang out with his fucking college friends. Wow. Like that's the level of function that he was at. He was wow. not only like running set and like talking to all the actors and stuff yeah. and doing rewards, but he was also just like, my my college buddies are here. Like I just can't – I don't know why yeah. that specifically blew my mind. Yeah. But the idea that – the idea that you would have friends at all. Like I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. I'm just like, no, it's after 80, cool no friends. No right. friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think about that. I'm always like, I'm, sometimes I get worried about getting old, and then I'm like, oh, but if I have friends who are also old, it's they gonna come be hang fun. Out with you, and you wear it's your literally gonna be fun, and you get Western all, stuff, yeah. and you're like, remember when we went to college, and then the other person's like, barely, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, legitimately yeah. a minute ago. I don't at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, let me ask you this. Okay, the, the, I I literally, especially being on Will and Grace, have just realized how much of film and TV is movie magic. I just, I was not getting it in a way that would seem so fundamental to most people. So for instance, when I got to the Will and Grace set, I was like, oh wow, this is so cool. But this isn't um, where they shot the other episodes. This is like a built out fake set because they shot everything else in an apartment in New York. And then I was just like, oh no, this is it. I'm an idiot. It literally has all been shot right here. So, So you're in, so in, Wait, Mother's I, I want to respond. Oh, wait, I want to respond yeah, to that yeah. first yeah. by saying the other thing that happened in the between when the first seasons would have been shot mm-hmm. and then the reboot would have mm-hmm. been shot is also that um, television televisions became HD and camera totally changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now everything's yes. HD. Where the other thing that happened is like, I'll give you an example mm-hmm. that had this where this happened to me. The same thing. I wasn't on set, but when I watched the new episodes of Gilmore Girls, uh-huh. I was just like, "Wow! Like Stars Hollow is. Wait, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Not a real place, but it's because it just looked faker because of the HD. Because the like. Well, I mean, number one, I, I also have been on sets now, so sure. I know what to look for. But then I also right. think the other thing is that like the way TVs used to be, there was like a fuzziness to yes, everything. Yes, yes. So Including you were just, the makeup also. So you were yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, all the people are the same age. Yeah. <laughs> all the sets in the real places are the same. Right. Everything's just kind of yeah. fuzzy and 
all the drag queens, like all their makeup looks good. You know what yeah, I mean? Like just flawless all the time. Yeah. yeah. And so that has, I just always bought it. You know, of course, yeah. But you had no like counterpoint, and also we started shooting things practically. We started like, mm -hmm. I mean, girls. You mm -hmm. know, we started being like, let's go to actual apartments in, New in York Brooklyn, or whatever. Yeah. No, but I think once they were in series for girls, do you think then they that, were they then moved that was into also a set? sets? I mean, I think like, <laughs> See, like blowing your mind. Transparent. I don't know sets, actually. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't I know. know. The be that's the thing. Even the best looking I don't stuff. Know. That you would think is so gritty oh, and real, like God. Christopher Nolan stuff, shoots inside. I, I always call them warehouses, but they're called something else. Uh, sound stages. Sound stages. So this is my question. You're in a house that I'm believing yeah. in Mother's Day. Those are houses. Oh, that's a real house? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Those are houses. That's Atlanta. Oh. And those are houses. Those are real houses oh, well, in Atlanta. boom. And you were yeah. in a real house. It wasn't like they shot mm -hmm. the outside we were in of a real house, house and put you in a sound No, nope, we're in houses. We're in houses. Uh, the only thing that's fake in that is that there's a scene where I'm driving, uh -huh. uh, but and it's a screen? stunt person. <laughs> it's a stunt person? Why? <laughs> because, well, they- Do you have an accident? I'm not remembering. I saw it. No. Um, no. Well, I do sort of have like, there's like a runaway uh -huh. trailer uh -huh. that's hitched to this car, but also I had to drive it for part of the- Boy, this is never how query is, but it's. I hope people enjoy it's this. It's just episode an interview about the film Mother's Day really starring fun. Jennifer yeah, Aniston, yeah. <laughs> who still is incredible. In oh my god, uh, they had me drive. Uh, I had to drive the car that then is driven by a stunt person, mm -hmm. a legit stunt person. Like she had just gotten off of a Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> she like punched <laughs> her way and, through the window and, just to get and into was the just car. Like, literally, <laughs> she lifted the car. Literally above her said head. to me, "This is the weirdest wig I've ever had to wear for a role." And I was like, <laughs> "You were like, yeah, me that's too. Offensive. I fucking hate this wig. What a ridiculous wig." Um, <laughs> but it was your hair. <laughs> it was my hair. My actual hair that they like She's cut like, her away. Yours is really not yeah, coming yeah, exactly. off there. Um, but I had to drive a car that didn't have power steering uh -huh. because it was like a legit 60 like a car Wait, it from didn't the 50s. have power steering have you ever driven a car, a car from I've the had 50s a, i've had a, i've driven a car where the power steering had gone out and it's like turning a ship it is <laughs> so first of all i had never driven a like a car from the 50s uh -huh. like i'd never driven like an antique car yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they um put me in there and i mean it wasn't even stunt driving literally i just had to pull away from the curb yeah, but yeah. there's so many people involved there's like the neighborhood <laughs> is out because they're like watching the scene right, filmed. right right then there's also like all like the cast and all the directors did, making, and they're yeah. literally just like okay cameron so you're just gonna like Drive away from the curb. By the way, there's also <laughs> children in the car, like actual child wow, actors. Right, right. And I'm like, all right. And I just, I mean, you know, it was one of those moments where I was like uh, anticipating that somehow I drive just like directly into a stranger's house. Right. Killing their dog. Which happens every And all of their, yeah, like just directly through and through no, no, their house. and. Wait, so then you said, oh, no, I can't do this, and you got to No, no, the stunt person was for, then oh, they, for like, cut. Scene. It's literally, like, I pull away from the curb. Uh-huh. That, yeah. that, yeah, that yeah, shot yeah, is yeah. in, yeah. and then it's not me anymore. But yeah. even the part where, I'm so glad there was a stunt woman, because even the part where they were just literally like, okay, pull away from the curb, I was like, I can barely do this! Yeah. Wow, why, why didn't they put, why don't they just install power steering? They have so much money. Because it's like a beautiful, like, preserved, oh, right. like, mint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the way it the really 50s. was. Yeah. yeah. People used so to just be constantly like getting in wrecks because they, like, could not even turn. The I don't car. know how anybody <laughs> ever like, drove only anything. Goes straight. It's yeah. totally not. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's what I learned. 
uh, in terms wow. of movie magic. And it was all in Atlanta. Was it set in Atlanta? Was yeah, the movie it's also set in set Atlanta? In Atlanta? Yeah. Okay. So that so it looks like Atlanta because it is in its houses. Yeah. Um, but that's not me driving. Wow. But that's me part of it. But it's wow. not me for a lot of it. So that so in um in this film, Cameron Esposito does not do her own stunts. I did not do my own stunts. Nope. People are like. And okay, and but there's, there's stunts, stunts in, in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, also learning. That. Yeah. What's up, queeros? Today's episode is sponsored by Kapari Coconut Deodorant. Yeah, if you're somebody who really cares about wearing aluminum-free deodorant, like I do, I haven't worn aluminum plus deodorant in a bunch of years, then you're somebody who should try Kapari. Kapari's coconut deodorant is aluminum-free, but it also doesn't suck. It doesn't leave behind a sweat, sticky white residue. It is made from plant-based substances like sage oil and coconut oil. It's free of silicones, sulfates, parabens, and baking soda. It's gotten a ton of love from the editors at Cosmo and People. I have tried it. I think it smells real nice. Plus, Kapari offers a money-back guarantee, so there's no reason not to try. So, friends... Say aloha to Kapari. Go to kaparibeauty.com slash query to make the switch today for your health and safety. That's K-O-P-A-R-I beauty.com slash query, and you can save $5 of your first order. Hey, Queeros. Today's episode is sponsored by Zola. Oh, Zola makes wedding planning easy with free wedding websites, save the dates, and invitations wedding registry and free easy to use wedding planning tools so you can conveniently manage everything online in one place which i have to say is a much easier way to plan a wedding than having a bunch of different registries all over the freaking place especially if you're somebody who wants to have like experiences zola works with great partners so you cannot just get like actual physical objects although they've got a ton of those you can also get experiences and coupons where folks can help you by donating to your honeymoon fund. I love it. Simplify your wedding planning and save tons of time by registering at Zola. Friends, you just got to go to Zola.com slash query, get 30% off your save the dates and invitations. That's Z-O-L-A.com slash query to get $30 off your save the dates and invitations. By the way, if you're getting married, congratulations. Um, here's some, here's some follow-up questions. Sure. You moved here at 18. Mm-hmm. Ready for the scope of this question? Yeah. How the fuck did you have the confidence to do that? It took me till I was 30. Oh, to move here at 18. Yeah. Um, I, well, I came to USC to go to college. There you go. That so helps. that's the answer. Yeah. 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 And, but I, I had a, I had a hunch that it would be helpful and I think it certainly has been to go ahead and get into the city to go ahead. And I knew it was LA. I knew it was LA or New York. But I really thought it was L.A. because I wanted to be on films and in, in TV, you know, in films and on TV. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, either one, in <laughs> on and on. On films, on TV. Yep. I want to be shot on film. Yep. Shot on film for, for TV. TV. Yeah, for yeah. streaming. For like a light streaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For stre- yeah, TV for streaming. Um, so um, Yeah, so I went ahead and got here to, to go to USC. From just straight up tiny town Tennessee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I spun out of college. Um, I like, I, cause I'm sober now. I'm actually eight years sober. Like very hey, few Hey, congratulations. People. Thank you. Yeah. Are you sober? I'm not, but. But you don't need to be. <laughs> I don't need to be, but yeah, I, yeah. but I, um, I'm yeah. so. I really need to be. I, yeah. Well, I'm so, you know what? I have to say 
coming from Chicago, Chicago is this like hardcore drinking city. It's mm. built into the culture. Yeah, in yeah, a really I feel that. Different way. Yeah. Um, some of it is the weather. Some of it is the attitude. I feel like the weather is a big part of it. I've been big to Chicago once, and I'm like, this seems like it would promote drinking. That's totally true. Yeah, it yeah, to- yeah. It's like it was like quite cold. Yeah, yeah it was very cold. But then like the other way. part of it is just sort of like this Midwestern like um, buck up and get through it attitude mm-hmm. that I find you know the thing people make fun of LA for which is like this sort of um self actual like oh yes, like yes, hypercharged yes, yes. self actualization and yes, self focus gratitude there yes. is a positive side to that mm-hmm. and and the negative yeah. side is like sometimes people are vapid and up their own butts right it's annoying right. but yeah. the amazing side of it is how much this culture embraces health health yes and when i say health yes. a lot of times i think that makes it seem like i'm talking about like weight or something. Right. Like, no, 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 no. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, um, yeah. Mental and spiritual and self-improvement, well-being, yeah, yeah. being on a path. Yeah. I'm super into all that. So stuff. I, I feel like what I love about this city is seeing, um, people in my industry and mm-hmm. especially comics not have to pair partying with doing this job. Yeah. Because in Chicago, yeah. those things are really intrinsically linked. Mm-hmm. It's, um, kind of expected if you're a comic, that you're going to be a hard drinker. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, for the for me to when I look at those things linked, then it feels like, well, that's not really a choice that somebody's getting a chance to make, mm-hmm. and it's not really healthy for everybody. Yeah. Like, there are people who shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you got out here, you figured that out? Yeah. Yeah, coming out of I mean, I was so, I I I was just uh I was like smoking weed so much in college and then it kind of switched to drinking. And I just like I, I was always doing it in excess, basically. And so I just I it, my mind kind of clarified my my parents. I'm I'm very grateful to my parents and actually to some like adults out here. This couple Palmer and Sissa really helped me through a lot. And they were communicating with my parents when I was like because I was having these bouts where I was drunk all day. And um and then my parents brought me home and I kind of and and actually nobody was forcing me to get sober and and there was a moment of uh, of clarity and I and I just kind of realized that that if I wanted to do the things in the world that I want to do you know I I I needed to clear out that that element because I was never I specifically and and I, I, there's no really telling if this is true or not but for me it feels true that I was never going to be able to drink or do drugs in moderation. And so so then it's just about, okay, so do you want to do them to an extreme level for your whole life and live that journey? And the answer is no. Or do you want to, you know, do you want to just not do them at all? Which actually people don't realize is also an extreme choice. So if you're somebody who's only into like extreme amounts of substances, not doing them at all is kind of equally extreme, or at least that's how I... Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. How do you mind if I ask and you can always stop me? Sure, sure. Um how when you made you came to that realization, but you but folks had sort of told you but didn't force you is what you're saying like they had given yeah, you Yeah, they actually were more suggesting, sorry. Yeah, they were more suggesting um that I do it moderately, you know, like just drink beer. Got know? it. Like scale back, we're noticing and we're worried about you and you yeah. were like can't do it. Yeah. And then did you seek help or did you just like figure this out on your own? It was a pretty it was a pretty solo uh, thing. Um, yeah, I just I was just looking in the fridge one day and I was 
thinking about drinking those like 12 beers back there. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not going to do that. And then I, and then I just never have again, you know, and I, and I'm, I'm grateful for that uh, clarity. And I, I, it, in a way it, it sort of happened to me and I've always been very grateful for that because I, I know people that are envious sometimes when I, uh, or they say, oh, I wish I could get sober or I should probably do that. And for me, it, 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 it happened kind of in a moment of, of, of some kind of a spiritual opening or something where it was like, oh, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful because I didn't really have to work at it that hard, you know, and some people do and, 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 uh, and they're, you know, champs for doing so. Yeah. No, I mean, so people do have to yeah. like make it a daily practice to also focus on um, yeah. not drinking or, or not doing drugs. And yeah. LA is so interesting because people kind of talk openly about this. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced this before. I've lived a lot of places. I travel so much for work. Yeah, yeah. I've never experienced the like openness about, let me give you some of these topics. Yeah. Therapy. Yeah, like, yeah, right. Like what we're doing to maintain our bodies. And I yeah. just mean like, like <laughs> literally right. like everybody what, likes talking about what everybody's like diet is, but I don't even mean like that they're on a diet. I just right. mean like I'm, I've eliminated this thing because if I have that thing, I like absolutely have weird shit. And yeah. you're like, oh my God, this is so yeah. fourth rate, but I really love it. Like I really yeah. love it. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. talking about. Um, sobriety and then and then with an openness towards like and I'm you know in the program and I go to these meetings or like you know I'm I'm not doing that or whatever it is it's just there's so many yeah there's so much openness yeah yeah I really respect the the 12 step program so much I I have not done much of that uh, specifically myself which sometimes I because I don't want it to seem like I'm um, I'm uh, denigrating that at all or, or saying that that doesn't work because I think it's so effective for millions of people and has saved so many lives. It just wasn't my, uh, wasn't your path. path. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then you like were at your parents' house. You came back out here to LA. Did you just like tell everybody that you knew I'm not doing this anymore? Uh, what living at my parents' house? No, like, like, so how did you get, so you oh, like to got my parents sober house forcibly. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, what I'm saying is oh, sure. then you reenter Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, there's a lot of people listening that might, Hey, maybe they want to stop drinking. And right? Like, yeah, yeah. We live in a place where there's a lot of healthy conversation about this. Yes. So like, did you just like clue all of your friends in? Do you tell people? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't drink, and how I'm does that so go? I'm so happy to talk about it. Yeah. By the time I was back in LA, there was um, like an expectation—not an expectation, but nobody was surprised that I had gotten sober in that interim. And um, and the thing is, I've always been good at at. We're not good at, but it's always come naturally to me to not really mention that I'm not drinking unless somebody is trying to get me to drink. In which case, I just say, "Oh, I don't, I don't drink." And usually, the response is, "You don't drink." I've, I could have sworn I saw you drink at like I've hung out with you six times. I had no idea you didn't drink. And it's like, no, that was like a something else. That was a Lacroix in my hand or something. So, so that I, I always found it very um, functional. And other people have the opposite experience. But what's worked for me is. I never made it something like it, it was always for me and it was it wasn't private specifically but I was just doing it because I wanted to do it not drinking and not doing drugs and then if somebody asked I would tell them but it wasn't like uh it wasn't like everyone I'm sober you know cuz you really can I think maybe more than you realize also, there was the benefit because I kind of switched. But I went home right after college, and then friend groups were realigning. So I kept a, a few really wonderful friends from college. But 
but I, it's not like I came back to a huge community. Um, so, so that helps a lot. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Because you can make kind of new yeah, sober friends. Not having people um, peer pressuring you. Well, peer pressuring you or have an expectation of you. Because yes. even when I think about, like, I had friends um, that I still know who knew me, like, prior to my coming out, for instance. Mm, ooh, who yeah. knew me, like, right before that, like, my college friends. Yeah. And so I still think that when they. Um, think of me, there's like a little bit of time in our lives together where I was just like genuinely strange. Like, mm-hmm. like I just like yeah. didn't talk about myself, yeah. wasn't around ever. Like in the, lied. When, in the like, interim or, or back like when as you were I in was, the closet. Like, yeah. When I was in the closet, sure. like stuff that they, um, that, that these people that are still in my life who are like kind people ascribe as like personality traits. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Cameron, she's just like, some of she just like straight up lies about her whereabouts, and I'm like, and that's not actually a personality trait of mine. That's uh, you're like that's an action I was taking. Yeah, I was yeah, taking yeah. that action because there was a thing going on in my life. So it can when I think about like extrapolating that to something like sobriety, it is yeah, hard to yeah. pull people along with you who knew you through yeah. times when you like yeah. weren't the person you want to be now. You know, yeah. like I don't want to be somebody who's closeted about my life. Yes, so the yes, people that know absolutely. me as like. <laughs> Cameron's just like really unpredictable. What a wild card. And then yeah. like, meanwhile, my friends and I are like, Cameron kind of goes home. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's Cameron kind of watches TV. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. But right. So, um, yeah, that I is hope helpful. that's okay that I said, I think I was like, when you were in the closet, I hope that's, um, Oh yeah. No, I mean, it, it was sort of what was going on. I was in the closet yeah, to yeah. myself for a period of time. And then I was in the closet to other people. How long was that interim when you were out to yourself? Cause I remember that space too. Well, I started dating, my first girlfriend, mm-hmm. and the way that our friend groups were set up, I had a friend group that was super religious, mm-hmm. and she Whoa. had a friend because I was super religious and super religious in a Catholic. way that extended to anti-gay. Yeah, my stuff. whole college, you could get kicked out of school for being gay. <gasps> I know. No. So I had wow. this really religious friend group. My girlfriend did not. Mm-hmm. She was like friends with the people at the college who were kind of essentially like fuck this place. Yeah, yeah. So we came out to her group of friends first. Great. And then that was... Soft landing. Sort of where I would be. You know, like my group of friends would just, again, they were like, Karen's so unpredictable. Some of she's gone for three days. And it was because I was like with this group of people who made me feel safe. Sure. And, um, yeah. you know, eventually over literally years, I told them who I was. Yeah. And they're now all fine and everything's, you know, we're all good. But there was this lag (laughs) that, um, where I was a very different person to them than I think anybody else in my life would ever believe that I am. Yeah. You know, that creates a gray area for me in, in my life. I I have one specific example because I, I know my grandmother who's in Colombia is not listening to this, but I'm not out to her. And, um, and I just don't know – I don't want to blame her for that because I'm not I'm not telling her out of a fear – I don't even know what the fear is. But it's like – it's like, well, in a way, it's not – it's not anything she's doing because I could – I could, uh, you know, tell her. You know, it's like – I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Sometimes it's interesting when you have so people hard. you love, you know. Yeah. I've, I, I actually – I never – I this is one of my – I try not to have regrets because I don't think that they're super helpful. I try to have like things I learned from or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But um, <laughs> my grandmother that I was very, very close with, my nana, I didn't 
ever tell her. Mm-hmm. We had this conversation, yeah, which I think I've talked about on the podcast before, where she said to me, um, you – she knew my girlfriend at the time, but she didn't – she just, like, knew my girlfriend. Sure. I mean, so, you know, it's a little different maybe than what you're talking about. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll ask follow-up questions yeah, in a second. Yeah. But she knew my girlfriend, and she just said to me, um, how many bedrooms in your apartment? And I said, one. Uh-huh. And then she said, okay. But mm. I wish that I had said, like – Nana, I'm gay and I'm cool with it. And yeah. like, it was really hard and now I'm cool with it. Like, I wish I had given her the benefit. Wow. Of she died when I was 30. Okay. So I was, I came out at 19. You know, I had, yeah. to, I had 11 years to like get fine with it and tell her, but I didn't. Did you feel a moment of connection when she, when she said, when you said one bedroom and she said, okay. I think she sure knew what was going on. Cause, Cause you can sense that. Very fucking sharp. Yeah. Um, but I think what I, why I'm sad I didn't say anything is because I feel bad if she thinks or she thought that I was going to live the rest of my life in shame mm. or in the closet. Wow. You know, like I think, especially because of what I, I do now and how like publicly yeah, out yeah. I am. I, I wish that she could have known that this would be what would happen for right, me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. Because it isn't something I'm ashamed of or like quiet about. And I, yeah. I just wish that she could see that that would be okay. But it, it just isn't what happened. Um, yeah. For you, like, what's yeah. your relationship like with your grandmother? Yeah. It's, it, it, it's so, I mean, wow. That's like, I had no idea you had a story that was so exactly on the nose about that because it's, it's, a, stra- it's a strange thing. And I, I want to give her the opportunity to accept me in case that's, in case that's her position. What if that's what happens? What if, I know. Yeah, exactly. She always asks about my girlfriend. And, and so the implication for me is still because I wish you would have a girlfriend because I know, because now it's gotten to the point where she'll jostle me about it in a way that seems to be suggesting I can tell you're gay. Maybe somebody's even told me you're gay. I want you to have a girlfriend, but I'm assuming all of this. And she's a wonderful, deeply intelligent human being who is like one of the funniest people I've ever met and I think is part of why I'm funny. And I spent so much time with her, if you think I'm funny. I spent so much time with her um, growing up. And now it's like, I mean, this is so who I am. And like I, I need to give her the opportunity to accept me. So it, it it's an interesting thing because uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just uh, – I, 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 but, but hearing what you're saying is like, well, maybe I should do it. I, I, I should ask my sister. I think maybe my sister has, all, we've come out to everybody else in, in Columbia. Cause we have a very extensive family in Columbia. Most of my extended family is there. Cause it's my mom's whole side of the family. And she grew up there, uh, in South America in Columbia on the coast in Barranquilla. But, um, yeah, I, ev- everybody else knows what's and is so there? sweet about it. I what's mean, they the, love it. Like in Colombia, what's the yeah, vibe? It's so on, chill. I mean, it's on, so hot there. On queerness specifically. I think they just legalized gay marriage actually like yeah. a few years ago. So it's it, – I mean, there's definitely gay bars in Cartagena, uh, which uh, my parents have a little place in Cartagena, which is like a, a, a neighboring city to Barranquilla. They're both coastal beach towns. Uh, in Colombia, but it, it's awesome. I mean, I've had great gay times there. I, I once, but I think this could maybe happen anywhere, maybe not. But I, I once got in a taxi and I told the guy the gay bar I wanted to go to, and he was like, no. And I, or, or I didn't even get in, I just told him through the window, and he was like, no. And he drove off. And that, that but that was the closest to any kind of uh, uh, negativity I, I, I got there f- for being gay. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I think one thing that's hard is, 
for me, specifically with this thing, because we're talking about, so like you, not you have to, but yeah, yeah. okay. I think, to, I think to be healthy mm-hmm. as a person, yeah. I think you do kind of have to tell your parents. I'm not, nobody, yeah, nobody that's sure. listening to this should feel like one has to tell one's yeah, parents yeah. today. Yes. I'm saying like when it's safe and healthy for you to do that, you might be financially dependent or you might be in a, I don't know your situation, yeah, but yeah. I think for like long-term mental health, adulthood yes one should tell one's parents what's going on sure but then when it when it comes to grandparents it's it's already so weird to talk about your sexuality because it <laughs> <Right>. implies sex <laughs> even though that's not what i'm fucking talking about it's like that's also part of it i was always just like so embarrassed to talk to my nana about it because i'm like well then she's gonna know like yeah. but it's just like i i yeah i feel like she also in later in her life I mean, she read the Chicago Tribune, like, every day, cover to cover. And mm-hmm. later in her, her life was, like, huge, like, fan of Michelle Obama. Like, nice. she just really, like, had a lot of things that yeah. she was, like, kind of overtly saying to me that yeah. I think was maybe a little bit of cueing. You sure. know, like, I just mean, like, yeah. your, like, Italian grandmother doesn't just constantly talk to you about Michelle Obama if she's not, like, sort of, like, hey, one bedroom. Hey, one bedroom. Like, I really love Michelle Obama. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, something so specific about that person, like, that it's not yeah. even Barack, you know, it's like, it's Michelle, you know, and I just think <laughs> <laughs> like that it's, I love that, that there's some, but I just, um, yeah, I never fucking did it. And I, but I think when we think about coming out to family members, God, the, another part of me is almost like, I also always kind of wished that my, and I know I never asked, but I almost kind of wished sometime that my dad mm-hmm. would have just been like, mom. Here's what's up with Cameron, mm, which by the way is right. like a burden to put on him. But I just right. mean, cause it's like my grandmother, right? you know, but I, I feel like there's a lot of, um, Maybe like that nuance, does exist a little there's bit, a lot yeah. of nuance in here that like, I don't think we talk about when we talk about coming out stories, it's always like one thing. We don't talk about like that. You kind of wish your dad would tell your grandmother. So you didn't have to tell your grandmother. So you <laughs> right. didn't think about, have to think about right. your sex. Yeah. Well, did you have a while fear you're at looking all? in her eyes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to look in I her eyes. Sex with people of yeah. <laughs> this particular gender. Yeah. Um, my um, my grandmother. You know, the fear is that the relationship would break down, and then I wouldn't get to hang out with her for her last however many years. Did you have that fear? Was that what it was for you? Like, I oh, maybe I, I won't be allowed would, to come visit uh, anymore. I think, she, I think I was afraid she would think I was disgusting. Yeah. Which, by the way, which is, is queer fear. Not what she would have thought. Right. Like, I yeah. just don't think I had like a, we have a, I have a distant family member, um, that was, that always, um, had a friend. Mm-hmm. Had yeah, a friend. yeah. 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 Like he lives with his friend, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And like, she knew about that. So and she knew what the friend meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, which is why she was good with that one bedroom thing. And also why I think that's, <laughs> but I think that she probably thought not probably there's a chance that she thought that I was going to live the rest of my life. With a friend. Right, right. And I just... That's you wish you had gotten I, to be like, no, no, no. No, like, we're going to be so gay. <laughs> I am going to be famously yeah, gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but... Which um, is a beautiful thing. And 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 yeah, and it, it's it's nice to give them the opportunity to, to be like, oh, I have this gay grandchild. And not only that, or queer grandchild. But not only that, but they're super happy, you know? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it is. Because also, like, when you come out to your folks... At least for me, I was like so much younger, and mm-hmm. you know, your parents worry about you not being okay. And yeah, it would be so interesting to also have a chance to come out to somebody at a time when you're when, when you're, you're definitely successful. Your you're yeah. like, just like, oh, by the way, I'm gay, and like, I'm fine. Like, yeah. I couldn't be more fine. Yeah, because yeah. I really was not fine when I was coming out to my parents. They were like, we're worried you're not going to be fine, and I was like, of course, I genuinely yeah. am not. You know, yeah. like I'm a. 
child and I'm genuinely not fine. Yes. Yeah, I really hear that. What age were you when you when you had the well, conversation with them? Because I know you said your sister like kind of knocked down yeah, some doors for you. Yeah, you know, I we had the first conversation, I believe, when I was 14, if not 13, I think maybe 13. Um, and then we didn't talk about it for many years. And it and it slowly but surely became just a fact. I think a lot of uh, deep progress was made when I, I had a, a pretty uh, big relationship um, with um, a wonderful – this ex who I love so much now. We, we had a very deep relationship and she's now uh, transitioned and she's a woman. Um, and I, I had a I, – I talked to my mom a lot when we were dating when I was 22 and I had a lot of heartache in that relationship. And my mom was just totally there. Um, you know, I was a, I was, uh, it was, it was a gay male relationship at that time, but, but she was chill. My mom was so chill about it. And I think that was like, that was her being like, yeah, we can talk about this. You know, we can talk about your, your boyfriends. You know, what's interesting about that also is I, I also, I often have a lot of compassion for folks that, um, and it sounds like this did happen to you, but that it became easier. I have a lot of compassion for folks that come out, realize who they were mm -hmm. or who they are. Um, and don't have a relationship because it actually takes so much pressure off you, the person. Mm -hmm. If you're like, I'm queer, I'm gay, or whatever. I'm. And by the way, this is my person. Right. Then right. your family can like visualize that or whatever. <laughs> like, like there was a. <clears throat> there were a lot of years when my folks didn't want to meet who I was dating at the mm, very beginning because yeah. it was like fraught. But um, I did have someone in my life, and then eventually they did get a chance to meet somebody and like you're saying mm -hmm. the first person that they like would meet mm -hmm. they really loved right. and then like whoopsie daisy all the boundaries fall down and all the barriers fall down because it's like this is just a person right yeah and i think <laughs> yeah like i have so much compassion for like the single the single queer person sure, that's coming out absolutely who then yeah yeah or like the bi person who's dating somebody of the opposite sex right. and is telling their parents and yeah and that like their parents or their community doesn't have like the not devil to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this, you can imagine in your brain, right. I think if you're a parent or if you're a yeah. community member who's like scared for someone, you can imagine that this is going to be a monster. Yeah. But turns out if you just meet a gay person, they're not monsters. Yeah. So the anyway, shout out to listeners who like have come out and just been like straight up, I'm gay. Yeah. That's it. Full stop. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out to bi people. Right. I shout mean, out to shout bi out people. Shout out for bi visibility. Uh, friend, um, do you, can you believe that it's like We've basically done it. We, I know. We're, we're 57 minutes in from what I see in that little guy yeah. over there. Uh, the guy being an iPhone. I feel like we covered a lot of stuff, but I also have like many other questions that I'll save for just friendship. Sure, um, yeah. Before I let you go, um, do you want to shout out a queero, which is somebody that helped you be strong in the person that you are today? Yeah. Um, who The person who came to mind, actually I worked with him recently, is this uh, teacher I had in college named Tony Abetamarco. And um, he still lives in L.A. He actually just played my dad in this new movie, Grandmother's Gold, which everybody should watch uh, if you want to watch an end-of-the-world uh, queer Christmas comedy <laughs> on uh, YouTube.com slash Brian Jordan Alvarez. But... Um, Tony uh, Tony was a, a gay director directing one of the plays at my college, and he 
he he gave me, I think, probably my first lead in a play in college, and just he was just like a, a wonderful, healthy adult gay man, and I I think that role model really really stuck with me. And he has this beautiful house and a, a wonderful husband and just like a a healthy life. And it was it was so nice for me to see that when I was I think twenty. Um, in college. Yeah. Oh my God, that matters so much. Yeah. I love that shout out because sometimes yeah. it's like a cultural figure and, and I also love that because sure, those people sure. were so important to me. Yeah. But I really relate to what you're talking about, about like that first person that you saw yeah. that you were just like, this person goes home and lives a normal life. Yeah, like that, that yeah. just matters so much for our imagination. Absolutely. To be able to think about what our future might be like. I love that for our imagination. Yes. Oh, well, you're a beautiful soul. You Thank are. Thank you for being on this podcast. What a great interview. Be- best podcast I've ever oh. done my whole life. Your whole life. Top to bottom. <laughs> Thank so you. Yeah. Bye. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus! I mean, Jazos! (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.